Hi, I'm Bob O'Haver. Welcome to the Why Meditate podcast. I'm asking questions of teachers, scientists, and religious leaders. The questions are, why meditate? What is mindfulness and what does it mean to live a mindful life? What is the difference between meditation, contemplation, and prayer? And how do we promote compassion in ourselves and the world around us? I've learned that over my life that in sports, like martial arts and baseball, going back to basics always helped me understand how to deal with the issues I was having. I hope these interviews will do the same for each of us. Thank you for your support. Let us know what you think by making sure you comment on whymeditatela.com, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks again. Now on with our discussion. Today's interview is with Carrie Grossman. She's a composer, a singer, and a student of the mystical traditions. You'll find her music underneath most or all of our podcasts. So, on with her interview. So, the first question I have is, uh, why meditate? Why should, we, why should we take the time? Well, I think... There, there's a lot of different forms of meditation. So I'm, I'm curious when you say why meditate, what you mean by meditate, like what, what that means to you. What the focus, what the focus that I was looking at was doing is actually the sitting practice. Uh, but meditation does come in a lot of different ways. And okay. some people talk about it and talk about this being more uh, works better for them as a meditation practice, whether they're walking or sitting or singing or, you know, whatever, whatever meditative practice they they practice. Right. So that's really what I'm. Yeah, it seems like so more like wives take the time to still our Just, mind or to, you know, to connect right, internally right. like that. Right, um, right, right. I think there's there's a million reasons why that practice, whatever it may be for each person, is so important. I think, first of all, we, we live in a culture of distraction and busyness, and we live in a, in a world, in a society that pulls us away from ourselves. You know, every, everything in this world is sort of designed to, to take us away from ourselves. You know, everything is a grand advertisement, or it's some kind of you know, consumerist enterprise, you know, we have to buy this and do this and improve ourselves. And we're constantly running and competing and ingesting information in this information age. And so there's a sense of total psychic exhaustion that people have Mm -hmm. and a sense of really being exiled from their own hearts uh, is really how it feels to me. That's how it it has felt to me personally, which is why I've been interested in this um, path of contemplative practice for such a long time because I feel how easily my mind gets pulled outside of me and most people our minds are they're strewn in a million directions you know sometimes I I like to say that heaven is a gathered mind and hell is a scattered mind because if you really think about it you know when your mind is completely scattered everywhere you, you feel disconnected you feel anxious you feel stressed you feel you know there's no sense there's no center and so that mm-hmm. is hell, really, you know, and to me, heaven isn't necessarily like some abode in the clouds. It's actually having my mind gathered and there's a stillness in that and being able to go down in the depths when we can connect to ourselves that way. We can connect to others more deeply. We can mm-hmm. connect to nature more deeply. We can hear our intuition more. We can use our discernment better. So uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. Also, there's so many interesting studies about 
meditation and how that helps to cultivate empathy, which is definitely something that uh, we're having like a crisis of empathy in our world today. There's really, yeah, Yeah. there's fascinating research about how empathy has kind of dwindled over the past couple of decades. Um, I was just reading about it this morning, actually, and uh, we need that compassion more than ever now. So meditation can help with that. And the meditation that I do using mantras, using music, which is a specific kind of meditation, that actually helps work with our emotions specifically. Um, The practice of singing mantras, it comes from the bhakti yoga tradition. And bhakti yoga is, you know, the yoga of the heart, the yoga of love or devotion. And it's a practice of using our emotions to go beyond So offering our emotions up to something greater. And that is so important in the world today because there's so much emphasis on, you know, the health of the body. You take this supplement, there's this fad, there's all this exercise and this. And then there's a lot of attention on the mind, you know, mindfulness, meditation, visualization. But there is not as much out there about how to care for ourselves emotionally. And, you know, people have a lot of fear of their emotions we're afraid to be with our emotions. We're afraid that if we, if we feel that grief, it's just going to take us over completely. Or if that we be with our anxiety about something or our loneliness, that we're just going to get swallowed up or we don't have the ability to deal with that or to meet ourselves, to befriend ourselves. Right. And so I have found that the practice of chanting in particular and music helps me personally to be able to be with all my emotions without saying this one is better than this one or this emotion is bad they all have a place and through that unburdening of the heart you know letting those emotions go into the music it opens up this doorway to a deeper stillness and a silence do you find that different um different uh different mantras cause you to feel in different ways do you find do you feel yourself when you're feeling sad go towards one or when you're feeling uh you know grief you go to another is it that kind of thing for you uh you know for me it's i don't i don't i don't tend to think about it it's not really an intellectual process you know it's more just a almost sort of intuitive but because i've spent so much time over the last 20 years familiarizing myself with mantras and immersing myself into them that they're almost like a part of my body you know so it's not like I'm thinking oh I need a mantra for this it's more like if I feel some sadness in my heart or you know I might just sing something that just makes me feel something it's what comes up right right yes it's kind of what comes up and and what's interesting about you know the mantras is that so the word mantra it means it comes from two Sanskrit words, man, manas, which is like the mind, and tra, which has a couple of different meanings. It could mean to cross over or to protect. So a mantra is like something that helps us go beyond our mind, to cross over our mind. And it also protects our mind from itself, you know, because mm-hmm. our mind is its own worst enemy. <laughs> so a mantra it kind of protects us. So, um, and mantras, they weren't created by anybody. Mm-hmm. They, they said they exist in nature and uh, the great sages of India, they heard them, the sounds in their meditations and they articulated those sounds and those sounds have been passed down for thousands of years unchanged. It, they're huh. completely the same now as they were then. They were, you know, right. in an oral tradition, they were passed down. But, and that's very unusual because actually 
pretty much every language evolves through time. Like English, the English today that we speak is not the same as Shakespeare's English. Sure. And even now, there's new words being added to the dictionary, like OMG, you know, oh, you know, things like that. They weren't in our dictionary before, but now they are because language evolves. But Sanskrit, which is like the root of, of mantras, you know, is mm. perfected, doesn't change. So when we chant the, those sounds or we hear those sounds, it's like we're plugging into an electric socket of the consciousness mm. of the ones who revealed them. Right, right. The next question is, what is your definition of mindfulness and how do you practice mindfulness? I, I could definitely give you the very sort of traditional answer, but it's funny, as soon as you said that, I, I feel like what comes to my mind is actually that, <laughs> that mindfulness is, is the problem. <laughs> my uh, mind is too full. <laughs> right. Um, it's just interesting the way when you start to think about words and, and what they mean. Um, mm -hmm. You know, mindfulness is, 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 these words become like these pop kind of words in the culture. And, and sometimes it's, we have to kind of make them our own again in some ways. But um, Thich Nhat Hanh was actually my, one of my very first spiritual teachers. And uh, when I was in like 21, I went to Plum Village uh, in France, which is his monastery there. And, and uh, I went so deep into the, the path of mindfulness. And it was so healing for me, especially at that time in my life, learning how to be mindful while eating and mindful while walking, mindful while sitting and washing the dishes and, and all of those sure. things. And, um, you know, I think at this point in my life, you know, mindfulness it really means mind and body and heart and are all in the same place uh, mm -hmm. instead of in different places, which they tend to be. It means seeing the reverence in the moment by moment existence of what is, seeing the sacredness of, of life. You know, it's not always possible to see that in every moment. If you're stuck in traffic, you're not thinking, oh, life is so sacred. But there's, <laughs> there's you know, there's a way in which you know, try to come back to mindfulness because it's a practice, you know, it's a practice. Our mind just naturally wanders because that's what the mind does. But the practice of coming back again and again to the present time, when you really are in the present moment, you, you connect to the miraculousness of this mm -hmm. life, which is a mystery that we don't understand. You know, we, we don't, I, I don't know. I, I have this feeling lately that, that we've sort of stopped allowing our minds to be blown by life. And I think that's one of the problems that we're having in our world is that we have an answer to everything. You know, if you just go on Google, you can find it or you ask Siri or you ask right. Alexa or right. whatever, you get the answer. And there's a way in which by not allowing our minds to be blown, we're really missing the true connection to our preciousness of our life. And it's not like some kind of Pollyanna new agey thing like oh you got to let your mind be blown it's not like that it's like it's it's about humility you know mm -hmm. like we have to have that awe because we don't really understand anything at all we don't understand even how our own body works you know we don't know our body does everything we don't even know how it happens we go to sleep and we miraculously wake up and our finger gets cut and then all of a sudden it closes up and heals and we i just planted some peas in my garden and i just i can't believe they're like coming out of the earth like how did that happen i just put these little things in the dirt so there's these miracles and i think mindfulness is really about opening our mind and our heart to take that in and to to stop being numbed out you know, by the endless distractions of life and, and to become human again. Right. 
that's what it is for me. So that that also translates into your daily. I mean, you just described that second part of the question about how you live your daily life. So you, you go through your life just more conscious. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's it's or is it- to me to me like, you know, every day is is a, a constant cycle of forgetting and remembering, you know, mm-hmm. forgetting the moment forgetting who I am forgetting my heart forgetting and then remembering and remembering and forgetting and remembering and you know hopefully because it is like a practice like weightlifting or anything like the more that I try to practice mindfulness the more that those the space between forgetting and remembering gets less you know mm-hmm. and there's there's more time in remembrance and less time in forgetfulness but it's it's not easy you know because like I said before like we live in a world that is pulling at us from all directions and it, it wants us to forget ourselves because once if we're if we forget then we can kind of be manipulated you know by the system um, to, to participate in in you know some of the, the craziness that's going on there's a quote that I really love by Krishnamurti um, mm-hmm. he said it is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society <laughs> which is so profound and so true, you know, it's like a a society that, you know, wants us to completely abandon ourselves in every moment to, to be running after things and thinking that our happiness comes from outside of us, which is what the narrative of our culture is. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And that, 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 that is, that's something that I think uh, in talking to people, when you bring this up, when you bring that up and you're talking to somebody that isn't, um, isn't a meditator or that there it almost is like that aha or that light goes off you know when they start Mm -hmm. realizing that oh you mean everything's making me go over there and where i should be is right here yeah you know it's that it's that need to be constantly stimulated from some external some external thing i had uh i i was work i interviewed some uh steiner teachers Oh, and, that's nice. And uh, about uh, just about how, you know, what the school is and, and technology and looking at that. And they said one thing that just stuck with me through the whole interview is that when the kids say they're bored, boredom is an opportunity for creativity. And it just was like, of course, you know, every time we can be still, every time we're not being fed from outside with all these things. We have that time to really to get in touch with ourselves and find those inner those inner jewels or the, that art or that whatever it is that that you need to express. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. <laughs> I think I mean, but to me, it seems like you know that's not always very comfortable. You know, like people mm-hmm. people people want to meditate or they want to go on a spiritual retreat, but at least in my experience, it's like you when you go on a meditation retreat. It's a highly unpleasant experience yeah. a lot of the time because you're confronted with your be. mind and, you know, all of the stuff that yeah. you're pushing away that you don't want to look at, all of the emotions and all of the, just the self-betrayal, the self-abandonment, you know, we all feel those things. And so it, in order to, to be with ourselves, it takes courage, you know, and it, and it sure. takes an open heart towards ourselves. And that is something, you know, that requires patience is what is the difference between meditation, contemplation, and prayer for you? 
And if you don't do it, one of the other, no matter, you know, I mean. I've heard, I've heard, um, I've heard it said before. I don't, I don't know who said it, but that uh, prayer is like a a communication with the divine or or with, you know, Mm -hmm. the universe or whatever. And communication, meditation is like a listening, you know, becoming more quiet and receiving. Uh, You know, one is more active, one is more receptive. Um, I think that they all go together, you know, at, at least for me, like music is prayer for me and singing is prayer for me. And so when I, when I sing, it's like I'm calling out from my heart and I feel like I'm having a conversation with my heart or with God or with the divine or what, whatever word, you know, speaks to you, but whatever that higher intelligence is, I feel like I'm communicating with that from my heart. And it's, it's not necessarily through words. Although sometimes when I sing, I sing my prayers in English, even like Mm -hmm. I'll just sing. And, and it's, it doesn't, it's not a formal thing. It could even just be like, I'm so terrified right now. (laughs) I might just sing those words, you know, or just, I'm so lost. I don't know where to go. I, I don't know how to change these patterns inside myself that I keep trying to change. I keep running up against them over and over again, like help, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is the kind of feeling that I have sometimes when I'm singing that, that comes out, it feels like prayer to me. And I find that when I, it's almost like this complete unburdening that happens through the music. And then there's like a quiet that comes on the other side of that. And right. I feel like that is the meditation, you know, that comes sound go dissolves into silence, you know, and sound arises out of silence. And so the prayer is like that call from the heart and the meditation is like that, that quiet place that emerges after that. And, Mm -hmm. and there's, there's things that arise from that space, you know, as far as contemplation goes, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to, to think about that. I I think it's all, it's all really connected together. You know, there, there can Mm -hmm. be a reflective process or a, discernment process that happens like to me prayer is very emotional it's very much like it's there's not it's not very rational if I'm really praying in a genuine way I'm not just saying mm-hmm. oh lord uh, you know I'm not like re- reciting something uh there's feeling in it there's it, it's an intimate relationship you know mm-hmm. and contemplation is more in some ways being able to zoom out from that to sit back from that and reflect on it and imbibe whatever wisdom comes from from that right you know it reminded me i had a, a teacher that would uh, when he'd start the meditation he would he'd ring the bell three times and in the in the last time that he rang it he would say listen to the bell and let the sound carry you to your breath and i just thought that that it just that one thought was like oh Yes, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And it, it allows you to not let your mind wander during that, that beginning time, you right. know, because you're, right. the, the monkey mind is going all the time. And, you, you know, right. trying to calm that down in a way was that was just a really simple way thing to focus on to bring me from the sound of that to me and to my breath, that external yes. thing to the inner thing. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, a mantra is so much like that, you know, and, and when a mantra yeah. is you know, in a practice of kirtan, for instance, which is like call and response chanting, you know, a mantra, Mm -hmm. when it's together with music, it, 
music just, it softens our heart, you know, it's just the language of our heart and it puts us into that, that place of this feeling inside of us. And so we don't have to yank our mind back and just say, sit, stay, you know, like a dog. Right. We don't have to reprimand right. our mind. It's, it's not about being punitive with our mind. It's about loving our mind, you know, and, and that's the beauty of the bhakti tradition or the beauty of these practices that are based in devotion and, and love is that it, it's about love. It's about embracing the mind and just saying, it's okay. You know, don't worry. You're completely welcome here. Whatever you feel, whatever emotions are on your heart, they're welcome here. They're a part of this practice. You don't have to watch them like clouds in the sky. You don't have to push them away. You don't have to analyze them. You can just allow them to be here, you know, and there's, there's a real relaxation that comes from that. So the last question is about compassion. Um, and Lord knows we need a lot of compassion in the world right now. More so that when I started doing this, mm-hmm. I had, you know, obviously no idea there was going to be a pandemic, no idea that the that people were going to be literally protesting in the streets. Um, but compassion, I just think there needs to be more compassion. And yeah. uh, how do we... How do we facilitate compassion in our own life and and then and then uh, set an example for the world around us? It's such a great question. Um, and it's something I just I think about so much. And uh, I you know, it, it, it becomes cliche, but it's so true that it really begins within. It really begins with our own self. And uh, I've seen time and again in my work and in, in concerts or workshops or whatever that so many people around the world really have a hard time loving themselves and having compassion to them on themselves. You right. know, I noticed this wherever I go, you know, and even in November, I, I did a, a letter of retreat in Japan and uh, I noticed the same thing that I found in Australia or that I found in the States or, you know, and there's who knows, you know, why we, we get these messages or why we have a hard time really loving and, and caring for ourselves and being compassionate towards ourselves. But it, but, but we do. You know, so many people struggle with that. And so I think that before we can really do that in the world with others, it has to begin with an inner journey, you know, to really embrace the parts of ourselves that we've flung away, that we feel shame about or that we don't want to look at or that, you know, that we we have to question our beliefs and look at at some of the thoughts we have, you know, that, that somewhere inside maybe we think inherently we're broken and that's, that's an illusion. That's not true. But many people believe that. And so I can tell you from my own self, I mean, the only thing I can share is based on my own experience. For me, you know, it, it's been such a personal journey of really mm-hmm. not, not, not knowing how to do that for myself, not knowing how to be compassionate with myself. And I, when I was starting at a very young age, I got interested in spirituality. And when I was like a teenager, and I didn't really know how to love myself and honor myself very well at that time. So I used the teachings against myself, you know, to kind of berate who I am. You know, oh, you're not compassionate, bad. You're not patient, bad. You know, and I, I ended up really just kind of harming myself in a way by using the spiritual teachings as more proof that I somehow wasn't good enough, you know. Right. I think a lot of, we, we do that, you know, and uh, so I had to go through this sort of deconstruction process <laughs> that happened over a period of three years, which was, and during that time was when I discovered the music came, and um, 
it came and it really kind of helped me climb out of this really dark hole that I was in. Even though I had been studying mantras and Sanskrit and lived in India and many times, you know, over the years and I had a teacher and, and um, I was in the tradition. I never found my own voice with it uh, until this, right. I went through this dark period. So what really helped me and what continues to help me every day, because the cooking continues, you know, <laughs> I'm right. not, no, no means fully cooked just because I share these, these <laughs> teachings, you know, um, right. and that's important, you know, to know, because that's actually what my next course on Insight Timer is about. It's about the subject that we're, we're talking about, about looking mm -hmm. at self-love and compassion, why it matters and, and why it matters even on a global level. You know, people think, oh, well, it's just sort of self-indulgent and uh, it's egocentric to just focus on self-love, but it's actually not. It's the foundation of everything, because if, if we don't care for ourselves, we don't have a very good foundation to stand on to be able to, you know, see other people and understand other people and, and care for the earth, which we're a part of as well, and, uh, and to work towards justice and equality. It needs to be rooted in that love, you know. So as far as how to cultivate that compassion, I mean, my gosh, we could talk about it for so many hours, but from a very general point of view, I think so much of it has to do with going back and embracing the parts of ourselves that we've pushed away and learning how to befriend who we are, not just the parts of ourselves that we think are okay or whatever. And, and for me, music is one of the most powerful ways to do that because sure. music is so... Music is, is an invitation to everybody. It's like the sun shines on every country and every continent. It doesn't select the ones that it likes. It shines on everything. And right. a song is for everyone. Everyone can come into a song and receive what they need from it. And it can, it can bless you if you're open to it in any way. Any kind of, it doesn't have to be mantras. It can be any kind of music. But I feel like that is a, a practice and a path of being able to let our emotions be there and find the holiness in them again in, in all of these aspects of ourselves and recognizing we're all the same, you know? Right. Well, it, what you said in the very beginning, uh, actually of your course, when you were talking about, uh, it doesn't matter how good a singer you are. Mm -hmm. It's not about the quality. It's about the sounds that you're making. It's about, it's about you going through that practice. Um, yeah. And having compassion for yourself because you can't have you can't have love or compassion for anyone else unless you've already healed yourself. Right. I mean, I think sometimes that can get only a little bit dangerous because it's not like you know one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm healed. Great. All right. Let's let's get going. You know, it's not like well, I think sometimes yes, because it is a process. You know, but you, you know what I mean. I mean, we kind of live in a drive-through society. It's like you know you just sure. want to want to hit and run you want to go drive through and get your coffee and then you're out and you know so but it's you know in that way it's like there needs to be also compassion for that part of the journey you know I think that oftentimes when we consider ourselves to be on a spiritual path there's there's a gap between who we are and who we want to be you know we have this idealized sense of self this perfected self you know I'm always mindful I'm always patient I'm always compassion my meditations take me to this deep peaceful place and I'm completely integrated I've healed all my childhood wounds or whatever right, and right, then we right. have this person we are and we're kind of looking across this chasm at that idealized self and and we see ourselves and we see oh my god I keep repeating the same patterns over and over again I keep attracting the same kinds of relationships and I keep saying the same things to myself and my mind over and over again and how do I bridge that gap? App, you know right. and and the answer is love 
The answer is compassion. There's no other way to bridge that gap. You know, uh, do you think I, I think in that to add yes, what you said, but I think judgment and discernment have a lot to do with how we look at ourselves because we're constantly we're constantly judging ourselves, like you were saying before. Uh, and that it's really important, like one of the uh, when you talk to students and they're saying, I can't meditate because I can't sit still. I can't meditate because I can't I can't I can't I can't. And it's like, you know what? You're working way too hard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You need to forgive yourself for your own transgressions and your own inability to do whatever it is and just sit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just give yourself the time, no matter what happens, you know, no matter who you're thinking about or what you're thinking, just sitting and giving yourself the time, you will get there. Yeah. But, you know, it isn't, um, that is one of the things I bring up in my class when I'm talking to students is that this is not, uh, it's not something you snap your fingers and I'm, I'm better right. now. You right. know, or I'm, right. I'm where right. I need to be because it's it's not that it's through the time and through the process. And it is about the process. And that is the process is the goal. You right. know, when people say, well, what am I supposed to get out of this? Well, sit and find out right. because it's right. different right. for everybody. Right. Right. You know? That's the yogis always say that, you know, our own consciousness is the laboratory. I mean, the Buddha yes. said that, too. You know, your own life yeah. is your own lab and nobody can really you know try it out no 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 the buddha wouldn't you know say well this is this is the answer and he, he would say you inquire self-inquire you know and and see what's I, true for you i agree well, I got the um when i'm talking it, it it you know i tell you know they say well what do you need and you need that commitment you need to commit to whatever it is you're going to commit to a week a day i'm going to do this for this period of time Right. Do it for that, then see how you feel at the end, reassess and decide whether you want to go further or you need help or you need to talk to somebody. Right. Um, the app, uh, I did want to mention, make sure we mentioned the, that you are on Insight Timer. You've got some of your music is on there and also a course about chanting and music. I just want to make sure everybody knows about that. Thank you, Bob. Insight Timer is wonderful. Really great way for people to explore so many different kinds of practices and meditations and you know because we're not all the same it's like you know you have 10 people in a room with different illnesses everybody gets a different medicine so the kind of meditation that works for one person might not work for someone else and and that's that's the beauty of we're so blessed that we have access to all these practices today and that we can you know try to find the ones that really touch our heart we live in an opinion factory here on earth. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's getting to yes. be more of one, you know, you just go on yes. social media. It's like an assault of opinions, you know, but, but the beauty is that, you know, we, if we just, that's, I think that's another reason why meditation is so important because there's mm-hmm. so much noise. There's so much ambient noise in the world today that we need to have just a tiny pocket of time, even if it's just right. two minutes to just come back and to try to find our own voice and our own truth, because otherwise we just get pulled out to see and we don't know anymore. Who am I? What do I care about? Right. What feels true for me? It's so easy to get lost. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> see ya. Thank you so much. I'll <laughs> see you later. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening today. And remember to leave a comment. Subscribe to the podcast on either Apple or Android. Search for Why Meditate. Now, take a minute or two to take it in. 
close your eyes and you can sit with what you just heard. The music will continue for about three and a half minutes. Have a beautiful day.